Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. We appreciate you joining us in the huddle. I'm your host, 15-year NFL quarterback Gus Farratt, alongside my longtime friend and co-host Dave Hager, where we talk to guests about how sports shape their life. Be sure to check us out on our website, HuddleUpWithGus.com, where you can listen to more episodes just like this. Now, let's join the huddle. Hey everyone, Gus Farad here. Welcome to another episode of Huddle Up with Gus. Uh, you know, you can find us on huddleupwithgus.com or, and also you can go to uh, radio.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also find us on 1631digitalnews.com. So uh, today's guest, as you see, uh, I'm going to be driving this bus solo today. So um, uh, I'll have a lot of questions for our guest today. He played my favorite position, even though I was a quarterback. These are the guys I always hung out with when I played the game um, because they were the most fun. They drank the most beer. Uh, they had the most fun when we went out. And, uh, you know, I guess I was always closest to them in practice and, and in the locker room. So uh, today joining me uh, is a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's a Rose Bowl champion. Uh, you know, he's been an analyst for football for a very long time. He loves the game. Uh, you know, he he just um, has an experience that I've always admired, uh, you know, and, and he got to do a lot of things that I never got to, like go to a Super Bowl. So uh, joining me today in the huddle, 49ers, uh, first-year center, then the rest of his time, he played guard. Uh, joining me is Randy Cross. Randy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, um, it's so exciting. I, I mean, all every team I played for, I played for seven teams, you know, and, and mm. I'm kind of uh, jealous that you got to play with one team. I wonder what my career would have been like if I would have just played yeah. for one. But you played for 13 years as a lineman. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and actually it was all sort of totally kind of, I wouldn't say a mistake, but it was pretty random that I ended up playing football, well, really at all, but especially up to that level. Yeah, you know, it, it is amazing that, that, and you don't see it that often where guys stay with the same teams throughout their whole career, even the great ones, as you played with, uh, you know, probably one of the goats of all time and, and Joe Montana even left and went to another team. And, uh, you know, you see that quite often in the NFL. Uh, but guys want to continue their, their careers and, and teams are kind of said, OK, we've had enough. We're going to move on to somebody younger and better. As, as we know, there's always younger and better coming out and, and gunning for our spots. But uh, really, let's get to when you were young. 
And, um, you know, you were born in New York. Uh, you moved to California at some point in your life, and then you lived in Southern California. Tell me about the first time, really, where you fell in love with sports. Was it uh, an idol you had? Was it watching a team, or was it your family? Well, I was, I was a big baseball guy. Uh, I started playing baseball, yeah, I was like five years old, um, playing t-ball and all that uh, at a Tarzana Little League in the San Fernando Valley. Um, so I mainly played baseball uh, up until high school. I, that's, that was my whole deal. I mean, I, I played Little League, and I played Pony League, and I played Colt League, and I played American Legion, and it was, uh, you know, I was, I, I was pretty sure I was really good at it in my mind but <laughs> yeah. uh no it was uh it, it was fun for me uh sandy koufax was my kind of boyhood idol uh right. I, I was born, i was born in brooklyn and grew up in la yeah my dad was an actor so we were based in new york and then we moved to los angeles and coincidentally so did the dodgers but right uh, yeah that, <laughs> that was sort of my whole thing i was baseball all the time so did you play with your dad in the backyard a lot or do you just kind of have neighborhood buddies you played with? Because we, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, when when I grew up and you grew up is is it was backyard stuff. You know, it was like dad came home mm-hmm. from work. We played in the backyard or we went out with our buddies. There was no real organization for us for a long time, even though Little League was a little bit and you got some coaching there. But, man, most of my experiences that were great were in the backyard. Did you have a lot of those kind of experiences growing up? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we had a real long driveway. Um, and, the, you know, we had a hoop set up on the garage. And then the driveway went down to this gate, which was probably, I don't know, about 120 feet. I mean, it was pretty good size. Pretty good. And so we'd always play catch baseball or football or, or whatever there. And did a, did a lot of that. Got a lot of my early scarring there. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of our more memorable moments was uh, having my, I, I came from seven kids. I had uh, four younger sisters and a brother. And I had one of my younger sisters throwing me tennis balls. And I'm hitting balls and I'm hitting balls. And um, then she throws me like it's a small ball, but it's still a small rubber ball. And I take this baseball bat and I'm like, bam, I hit this thing and it bounces off this ball and comes right back. And I just start bleeding like a stuck pig. Um, and there's blood everywhere. My mom kind of freaked out. Um, but of course, this was, you know, probably what, 62 or something like that, 63. Right. So we didn't go to the hospital. My mom made butterfly stitches um, out of Band-Aids. And that's yeah. what I had on the side of my eye there for about a week. <laughs> Well, that, you know, that's kind of all the experiences we had when we were young was, you know, going out in the, uh, and just finding all your buddies. And we found a field. We played football, baseball. We played basketball. I mean, those were the three sports we played. Um, you know, I remember we used to sneak into the football field when track was set up. And we used to do high jumps on our own because they had all the mats out. And then we'd have wrestling tournaments. And then we'd be, you know, I was... I was always Andre the Giant because I was the biggest kid in my neighborhood. But, uh, you know, I should have been Hulk Hogan instead. But, I mean, what, <laughs> I think it's so different. 
I think it's so different nowadays with kids. And I don't know if you've seen that or noticed. I mean, you're still involved in sports and athletics as well. Uh, tell me about your experience of seeing that compared to when you grew up and when we grew up and how that difference has changed today. I, it's, it's as much of a sports thing as it is a societal thing, as it is a parenting thing. Um, you know, not only my yard, and I had probably four or five good buddies that lived in pretty close proximity to my house, but we had a, a great park that was about a quarter of a mile away, maybe a third of a mile. Um, so we did everything there. That's where we, you know, they had baseball fields. They had a huge football field, you know, played my first unofficial tackle football in about the, about the middle school, junior high period of my life. But yeah, we always had that park and that was, we did everything that way. And it, it, I tell you, there's one term that comes to mind when I think of that park and you won't ever hear a parent say this to their kid. And that is, whatever you do, be home before dark. What time do I have to be home? Well, if it's dark, you're in trouble. If it's not dark, right. it's this time to eat dinner. Right. So there's nothing specific. It was go ahead. Hey, I'm going to the park. Good. Be home before dark. All right. I can do that. You know, in L.A., that's eight o'clock at least right. during the summer. Right. Well, that mine was the fire whistle. We had the fire whistle in our in our small town when I grew up in Pennsylvania. And, and dad yeah. said, that fire whistle blows at nine. You better be in the door. You know, and then we all had that kind of thing growing up with our parents. Right. And, and even like when I went to I went to Catholic school growing up, you know, and, and yeah, the I had some really outrageous nuns who loved big rulers and paddles. And but yeah. I was more scared of going home to see my dad than I was of those nuns. I'll tell you that now you were a smart kid. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that, but uh, you yeah. know, I I, yeah, I knew right. where my uh, so-called bread was buttered. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know I, I had a little bit of the same thing. I went to Catholic schools early, then public school for a period, and then uh, my dad had the ingenious idea um, that I was going to go to a Catholic all boys high school, which didn't go over real well with me. When I was told yeah. about it, but uh, you know that's that's sort of where my organized sport life sort of sort of started, especially football. Yeah, yeah, you know all that. See, I, I see that organized for me was I couldn't be who I wanted to be anymore. Like I always was Willie Stargell or Dave Parker or you know uh, mm -hmm. one of the Pirates or I was Terry Bradshaw out there playing. Uh, you know when I was in the thing, then you get to organize and you couldn't be those guys anymore. You had to be yourself. And so that's what I always saw the difference as for me, you know, because if you're up there in little, you know, organized sports and you're trying to swing like uh, Willie Stargell, the coach would rip your head off, you know, so you had, to, you had to kind of figure out who you were. So you were always Sandy Koufax, I'm sure when you were playing baseball and then when oh, yeah. you get to organize, you got to be right yourself. Handed. I was still Sandy Koufax. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. my dad, my dad had the idea when I was about, 12 that I needed to start playing football. I had always played baseball and it was heck. It was right after all stars that year. And he asked me if I wanted to play football and I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. I mean, I've never done it. So we go to this tryout thing and they, they weigh you and they measure you as pop Warner. And, the, you know, and I was one of those kids that I'd, I'd alternate between fat or pudgy and or as they used to refer to us and when we bought our clothes back then, 
Um, we were, you know, full sized, but I was, uh, you know, I, I was 12 years old and they said, well, you're going to have to play with like the 14 year olds. I was like, why would I want to do that? I got no idea what I'm doing. Right. And I told my dad, I said, nah, I'm good. I'll stay in baseball. I'll be, I'll be all right. Well, it's kind of funny. I was the same way because I played in seventh grade. I went and played, as they called it, you know, this was before we went to middle school. But you tried, tried out. It was, I guess, it was midget football. You know, it's, yeah. they don't use that. It's youth now. But I remember I was playing guard and I got my ass kicked. And and uh, man, I, I did not want to. I just didn't like the game at that point. Didn't want to be there. You know, my dad just kept. You're going, you're going next year, you know, in eighth grade, go to high school. You're kind of in, in that middle school and and go to the team and try out again. I broke my foot and dad's like, you're playing no matter what. I just bought you new cleats, tie them tighter. And it's just like my first couple of years of football was a tough experience. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, for me, it was like I said, my dad had back in back in these days, um, every grade you started in B. And the second semester was the A level. Right. So I was I had just gone through like B9, which was middle school, junior high back then. Right. Uh, my dad says, well, you're going to go to uh, this play. It was Crespi Carmelite High School, uh, not far from where we lived. And I said, no, I'm not going. And he goes, look, you go. I'll take you to take the test. The, the, you have to you have to have an entrance exam. And if you do well and they let you in, we're going to have to talk about it because I want you to go there. All right. So I went and took my test. And, man, I thought I bombed it. I did everything I could. to. I mean, I was just checking letters and boxes. And yeah, I, right. And as, as fate would allow, I got like a 90 on a test. So <laughs> then now I'm now not only do I have to play, I have to go to this high school. My dad says, you know, I got a great idea. You don't know anybody at this high school. I said, yeah, I know nobody. He says, go off of football. You know, there's 90 something guys in your freshman class. Half of them are playing football. So you'll learn, you'll, you'll get to know half the guys in your, in your freshman class just from playing football. Eh, all right. I'll do that. And back then guess I was a quarterback. Wow. Nice. Cause I always, well, I, I baseball play, right? Baseball players were naturally the quarterback. I was the I was a pitcher and a catcher in baseball. Yeah, yeah. So so it makes sense that you, you know you probably could wing it, and you just out there they're going to put the guy who could throw the ball out there. I could throw. That lasted all of about one and a half practices in high school as a ninth <laughs> grader. Because the start of my so, ninth grade year, I was five. I think I was five eight and weighed about one hundred and eighty five pounds. So I was uh, stocky. As we used to say, um, and the freshman year, I was six one and one hundred and ninety. You know, so I I spent my whole freshman year playing sports, going to school, and laying on heating pads. <laughs> right, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. I mean, I grew six inches from eighth to ninth grade, so I I, I literally know your pain. Uh, as, as they yeah. say, as my dad used to say it, you'll get over it, you'll grow out of it. I'm like, I think I'm growing into it. It, it it's not going away. You know, and it's just something you had to deal with growing when you grow so fast. Yeah, yeah, that was it was interesting. So, what was that conversation for you when you when the coach came and said, you know, I think we're going to move you from quarterback to another position? What do you remember that like saying? Uh, I don't really know if I want to do this. 
Well, yeah, I was I was at this point I I made my way from the fifth string quarterback to the third string quarterback, and the coach came up to me and said, um, "So, do you like to you like this game? Do you enjoy it?" I kind of went, "Yeah, I do." He goes, "Well, do you want to actually play?" And I looked at him. I said, "Do I want to play? Yeah, of course I want to play." He goes, "Well, I don't think you're going to play a quarterback, but if you move to offensive line or defensive line." you're going to play because you're a pretty good sized kid. I looked at it. I said, oh, okay. He goes, okay, make it, take your pick. I said, I want to play defensive end. And he goes, well, why defensive end? I said, I just don't like offense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I played mainly defense in high school. So uh, did you play both ways? You just played mainly defense. Did you have enough kids? That- uh, my, ju- my junior year, I played both ways. Um, my sophomore year, I played a little bit of offense, a little, but mainly defense. My senior year, I played all defense. So what were your sports in high school? Um, well, I started throwing the shot put just sort of to do something in the spring. Because, you know, I, right before the ninth grade, I had been playing um, Legion ball. I threw my shoulder out and messed it up pretty good. In fact, in later years, I would find out they, they called it a torn rotator cuff back then. Right. Or now, then it was you threw your shoulder out. Right. But I tore my rotator and um, I just decided, what the heck, I'll go off a track and I'll, and I'll try shot put. So I tried oh. the shot put. And did really, really well at it. Um, freshman year, I threw, you know, threw it pretty well. But then that was only like an eight-pound shot. They don't start you with a big, heavy one. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. So that's something I did all through high school. Well, I mean, you still hold the record at the high school, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I, won, I eventually won the state as a senior. Junior, I was third. Senior, I was first. Um, yeah, it was uh, – it was it was it was pretty interesting. I had a great coach, my athletic director and head track coach, and the shot put coach were guys that really influenced me sports wise and um, you know work ethic wise. What it took to be really good at something. Uh, I, I, I they never we never lifted weights. Uh, it was all technique. It was all speed. It was all you know doing things as quickly and explosively as possible. So I threw the 12-pound shot in high school, like 67, 68 feet, won the state out in California. And actually, most of my college scholarships were dual. They were football right. and track. A couple, of the, oh, a couple wow. of the schools, like Alabama and Nebraska, they were football only. But, you know, Texas and UCLA and USC, those were dual those were dual. And, you know, if you think about throwing a shot put, a 12-pound shot put, uh, 22, in that around 22 yards, I mean, just in football sense, you know, we're talking about, yeah. I mean, 67 feet sounds, uh, I mean, that's an amazing long way. And then just throwing at 22 yards is, is crazy, probably 23. But um, to hold that record, so that, you talked about having a torn rotator. So that didn't affect your rotator at all when you throw a shot? No. No. Well, the shot is, is in here. You hold right. that thing right there. And I mean, you're, you're, you're doing this. It's, it's in, it's like an inner inward press when you're doing it. 
And if you do it the right way, especially the old way, because now when you watch shot putters, they throw like a discus thrower. Right. And they get back there and they rock and they go around in a circle and they throw it. And it's a lot of really cool centrifugal force. But with us, it was, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a slide that a, a famous shot putter by the name of Randy Matson had really popularized it. He'd won a gold medal or two, you know, so that was how no, we that, did it. So you didn't throw discus or anything else? You didn't try, they didn't have... No, like no, our, our, our area in track and field was way too small. We didn't have, we barely had room for a shot put area, much less, I re- you know. It, I know. I remember in my high school, we had javelin, and the coach wanted me to come out and throw <laughs> javelin. I mean, I don't even think they have that in high school sports anymore, do they? I mean, I think they've kind of outlawed some that. School, some states do. Some states do. I, I'm not really positive given the mental makeup of most 15 to 18 year old males, I would give them a long shark, sharp object to throw around, around other humans. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? You never know where that thing's going. I mean, I think I tried to throw it one time and I hit myself in the back of the head when I let it go. And I said, Nope, I'm done. I'll stick to baseball and football. Uh, So, so you're in, you, you, you're playing both. Uh, what was that recruiting process like for you? I mean, you're getting recruited in in uh, track and field and football. Why choose just football? Um, well, I, I mean, I went with UCLA with every intention of doing both. In fact, I actually went out okay. um, that spring. I missed spring my freshman year because I was on the track team. I uh, missed a good bit of practice because I was practicing for the shot with track, which was fine with me. I had figured out that right. I could throw the shot and not do spring ball, and that sounded like a pretty good bargain. That's um, not like a good plan. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that's been through spring football knows there's nothing fun about that. But um, I threw it, you know, I threw the shot, the 16-pound, the big one, over 60 feet my freshman year in college. Um, what little I threw, but they wanted me to lift a lot of weights. As you can imagine, shot putters are, oh, yeah. they're stacked. Yeah. Um, and you know, this sounds just stupid and, and sometimes a little funny, but every time I lifted weights, I got incredibly sore. And if I stopped lifting weights, the soreness went away. So I figured out pretty fast. If I don't lift, I don't get sore. So right. I didn't lift weight. I didn't lift weights in high school. I didn't lift weights in college. I didn't really start lifting weights until after right about my second year in the NFL. So how did you maintain any kind of, uh, did you do other things? Did you, did you have like a stretching routine? Did you just do push up, sit ups, you know, like the whole Herschel uh, Walker thing or how did you maintain <laughs> anything? I mean, because playing <laughs> a alignment <laughs> position, you got to have some strength. Yeah, I was I was naturally pretty strong. Um, I, I always had really good technique, and I was very explosive, so that helped. Um, I never missed it. I didn't. I never had the feeling that there was something that I was missing out on if I That's wasn't awesome. if I wasn't lifting. We had plenty of guys on the team that were, you know, they could lift one side of the building, and I could block them. But right. uh, <laughs> so you know, even when I got to the pros, I mean, my first I was drafted by a guy named Monty Clark, who was the head coach 
at San Francisco and then later Detroit, but he'd been the O-line coach for Shula's famous Dolphins teams. So I go up after the draft and have a press conference, and then we have a mini camp. And the first thing they do is you go in the locker in the weight room, and they're going to test you. They're going to see how you how 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 you lift, uh, how you do pull ups, chin ups, those kinds of things. And then we're going to go out and run a forty. Well, I did um, I did two reps at two and a quarter. I really seriously had really rarely to ever lifted. Right. Um, I did one I did one pull up and two chin ups, and I'm walking out of the lot out of the locker room and drilled and he looks at me and goes hey and I go over and I say yeah coach what's up he goes are you trying to get me fired I said what do you mean he goes that that's not real right you didn't really just do two reps at two and a quarter I said I don't lift weights and he goes I am gonna get fired and I he said you better run a good 40 and I ran like a 48 or 485 um 40 and I got done with that. He looked at me and goes, okay, now I'm not getting fired. <laughs> now I remember no. why I drafted you. You can run. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they watched film on you. They knew who you were. And they probably understood. They talked to the mm-hmm. coaches. And they had to have an understanding that you didn't do that in college either. I mean, today, obviously that would, you know, coaches would go insane if you didn't lift weights. But uh, – you know, I think that that just is a testament to talent. You just had, uh, you know, crazy God-given talent that you were able to use and, and go out and perform. Uh, so, you know, as my kids call it all the time, it's just old. you had old man strength when you were young, you know, that you could go yeah. out and do that. And you had you had the good technique yeah. that you didn't yeah. get thrown around. You know, well, I mean, it took, you it took one, one season spots. of going. It took one season of going against, um, you know, Willie Lanier and Merlin Olson and Alan Page and some of the old timers that were still in the NFL when I got there. Coy Bacon. Um, right. One year of that, Curly Curly Culp. I've got a nice scar right here on my chin from where he split me open. Um, I got done with that year and I got to the off season. And I decided, you know what? You might want to start lifting weights just a little bit. See if this, see yes. if this weight stuff really is what it's made up to be. So then, did you get sore? Because you said you when you when you did weights, you got sore. Did you kind of get past all that? Well, yeah. After I did that, the funny thing is, we got right about that time. Um, we got a strength and conditioning coach. Actually, his name is Al Vermeil, Dick Vermeil's younger brother. Oh, okay. And Al was amazing. And all we did was Olympic lifting. And that's yeah. something that kind of uh, it, it kind of appealed to me. It was all technique. It was all quickness. It was all, you know, you're doing the clean and jerk and snatch and all, the, all this other stuff. And I kind of liked it. So I got pretty yeah. good at it. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, they say that's the best lift you can do as an athlete is, you know, 
is do a full clean where you, you bring it up and you front squat it and, and then press it over your head. I mean, that's the total workout. And, uh, you know, I've been through a lot of Olympic lifting coaches as well. You know, I wasn't crazy as a quarterback about when you got to do the wide grip and snatch it over your head. That never felt good on my shoulders. But, uh, you know, there, well, I mean, as a result, I did. I used to I got to the point where I was doing snatches specifically and the overhead um, pretty heavy. You know, in really? the three in the three fifty range for the overhead, or you know, wow. three hundred five, three hundred five on the snatch. Um, I replaced both my shoulders. <clears throat> Consequently, I mean, subsequently here as a as a senior right. citizen, I, I have two titanium shoulders. So, did you notice a difference, right, from from that first year? Then you start doing some Olympic lifting. Was it a big difference because? You obviously had the technique and the skill set to, to play guard and lineman, uh, but did you notice a difference and how that strength and that muscle that was added to your body when, when then you were able to go up against those defensive players? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It, it's, it was all worth it. Plus, you know, I, I moved quicker. Your, your legs are stronger. Your, your, your core area is so much stronger. Um, it, it, it correlated very, very well. Uh, and translated well to to playing you know playing lineman. It was uh, I'm glad I did it, and I and I think you know not doing it before then you know might have taken a lot of wear and tear off my body. That maybe that's one of the reasons I lasted as long as I did. Right. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was an interesting setup. Hey, everyone. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to Huddle Up with Gus. Uh, we're joined by Randy Cross. We're going to take a little quick break here. Uh, we'll be right back. And I got some great questions for Randy coming up. So stay tuned. Hey listeners, thanks for joining Dave and I in the huddle. We invite you to join our exclusive huddle through Patreon where you can get access to content made just for VIPs like yourself. Head to our website, huddleupwithgus.com and hit support our podcast on the pop-up ad. Once again, that's huddleupwithgus.com. Now let's get back in the huddle. Hey everyone, we're back in the huddle. Uh, joining me today is uh, Randy Cross. Uh, you know, you can. I really appreciate everyone listening to our podcast over the last year and a half, and uh, we've had some great guests. Um, three-time Super Bowl champion today, Randy Cross. I have a few questions for him about uh, his relationship with his quarterback. So, Randy. Uh, I, you know, my relationship was always really close with my linemen. I loved doing everything with my linemen, going out with them. Uh, I have some really good stories with my linemen. I have some really bad stories, but we probably can't tell on the air with my linemen. So tell us some good stories that, that you have with, with your quarterback over those years. Yeah, well, you know, we Joe got there. Joe Montana got to San Francisco the same time Bill did. Bill drafted him in 79. Um, and Joe wasn't even start. Joe was the backup to Steve DeBerg for a while. Um, and, and Bill basically wasn't putting any pressure on him, um, let him kind of develop. 
and would actually design certain red zone and specific plays in parts of the field um, would be part of our game plan. So Steve was the starter. Steve ran the offense. Joe was the backup who got to play, which worked out pretty well. Um, Joe, Joe was a good guy, real interesting. Um, wasn't a real loud, braggadocious kind of person, you know, pretty calm, pretty, pretty cool. Um, one of the only people I ever competed with, played with, that really seemed like he got calmer and his heart beat slower sort of the later in the game and the more important things got, he got cooler. He got relaxed. Right. So, you know, saw that pretty early. I mean, back in the 79 or so, when we were in training camp, he started running the offense. And we had been, the year before, the reason Bill Walsh got hired, we were the worst team in the league. We were 2-14. and 14. Right. And we really, we really sucked. Um, <laughs> the next year, we could run, we could move the ball offensively. And we're, we're running Bill's offense. Even in training camp, you're going, hey, this is pretty cool. These plays work. He knows where open the guys <laughs> are and stuff like that. Um, but our defense, we couldn't play dead. Uh, so we knew every week we had to score 35 to 40 points and we didn't get up in that area. We had no, no chance of winning a game. So we were two and 14 again that year, but, and Joe got some playing time and then got more playing time the next year in 80 as a sole starter. And, um, he actually, until that Buffalo Houston, playoff game um, where they came back from what 31 points down right uh, we were down at halftime to the Saints 35 to 7 it's about mid-season Archie Manning was a quarterback to date myself uh, of the Saints right. we were down 35 to 7 at the half and we came back and beat him in regulation 38 35 wow yeah I mean, well, the defense played for half anyway they played they played pretty decent and we just scored every time we got the ball. <laughs> right. Which you had to, right? And that makes it fun. I mean, that was, those are the games you remember. You know, even yeah. if you would have lost that game, you'd have probably just remembered the, the emotions that went in through that game because I've had plenty of games yeah. like that. Well, you, gosh, you know, that's like money in the bank, though, for, for a team. And we had a group of guys, that group, that offensive group outside of maybe two guys was the same offensive group that won the Super Bowl the next year. Right. And and would go on and win another one in a couple of years. Um, right. But once you have to have that experience, you have to have that coming back from 14 with three minutes to go in the game or coming back from three touchdowns down in the fourth quarter or something for future reference so that you never really get too geeked out about being down. You know, you, right. there's always, no matter what you are, you, there's always a way to do it. And I think from that point on, we never got in a game that we were down that we didn't think there was somehow, some way the math was always with us. Well, you build trust. I think that's what it comes down to, that you build trust. If you didn't all do your jobs the way you're supposed to, you would never be able to score that many points in the second half. So that builds a trust that, hey, if I do what I'm supposed to do, then we can get this done. And we see all the time in the NFL when mistakes happen, that trust is broken, and then that becomes pretty hard. But you also have to build trust off the field. So tell us something about 
your time with that team because like you said, it's that team, it's a bonding experience. Tell us about like how you guys spent time off the field that really built your bond as well. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, well, we all had one thing in common. Um, we all really hated losing because right. God knows we, we had had a chance to lose 28 games the last two years. Uh, we were 10 and 6 and 80, so we still were losing. And we just didn't want to go back. That was a hell of a, hell of a, a motivator. That, right. you know, we knew what was back. We knew what was in store if we got ourselves. We let ourselves get bad again. In fact, in '82, after our first Super Bowl, we had that strike. And that strike year, we were like three and six. We only played nine games, right? And that really sucked. So again, right. that was more. Um, but you know, that's off the field was so important. Whether it was training camp or. And in position groups, you know, the O-line hangs out all the time together, as does every every individual group. But there's just something different about a line uh, with most teams because, you know, they've got to be able to get along with everybody. you got to be able to get along with the D-line on your team. you got to be able to get along with your so-called skill guys uh, on your team. Um, defense and I, I was, it was an interesting dynamic that we had because we also didn't do something that most teams do. And that's beat the crap out of each other. We built, yeah. Bill wasn't a believer that you had it all the time. And, you know, probably starting in like 83, we only really brought our pads out to practice two days a week where we do nine on seven and one-on-one pass rush. We do our shoulder pads. The rest of the time we were basically just running everything on air and learned how to go full speed without pads, which is not easy. And most, most teams can't do that, but Bill sort of taught us by, you know, trial and error that it's the best way to go. Right. And, you know, and it's funny because when I played for the Broncos and Coach Shanahan, that was the same philosophy we had there. You know, kind of Coach Shanahan came from that era and that mindset and that offense. And, I mean, that's what we did. Let's let's practice hard, play fast. Uh, we don't have to kill each other. But we did get into scenarios like that where you get in the short yardage and goal line and you, you put them on and you go for a little bit and, you know, hopefully nobody gets hurt. But you got to get some of that work in. But it didn't have to be all the time. You know, when I played for the Bengals and Kenny Anderson was my quarterback coach, Ken used to tell me some crazy war stories from when he played for the Bengals. When they would just go at it for three practices a day and it was just nonstop. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's insane. You know, but that's, Forrest, that's amazing. That, that, was, that, was, that was Forrest Gregg. Yeah. For, Forrest Gregg was an old Lombardi, just <laughs> hardcore. You know, when, when we played the Bengals in the Super Bowl, you know, at uh, Pontiac, you had to alternate right. practices. And we had the early practice, so the Bengals would practice after us. Bill was playing music. So we started playing music at the very beginning of practice. It get louder and louder as the practice would go on. And by the end of practice, we got, like, defensive period, and all us offensive guys, we're in the background. We're playing air guitar, and we're bouncing <laughs> up and down. And, doing this stuff. and you look back in the end zone, and Forrest Gregg's got – 
the, the team's all sitting there and they got their chin straps on and they're ready to practice and they all look so serious. And we're going, man, lighten up. <laughs> it's not right. that serious. Forrest Gray's going, those California guys don't know what's coming at them or something, you know. I yeah, mean, exactly. I've been with both coaches and I've seen it all. So, you know, playing with many different teams, you see a, a, a bunch of different mindsets that coaches have. And I love that mindset because it proves that you can still – Get some work done. You don't have to kill each other because the game's hard enough on Sunday the way it is. You know it's going to be super physical. So, you know, you were also a leader in the locker room. You were lineman of the year, I think, three years in a row. You were you were um, 49er of the year one year for all your community efforts. So tell me about that leadership role that you came into, and, and I'm sure you grabbed that, and you, were, you, you have to be kind of proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, it was uh... – I had, I had a great guy that played next to me, uh, Keith Fonhorst, who was our captain. Um, and he was also our player rep, and I was the alternate player rep. Right. Um, so during those strikes and stuff, we got to do all that fun work. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, was, yeah, he was somebody that even as a teammate um, you kind of looked up to because he was so solid and he was such a – he was – he didn't say much of anything, but he led by example. And, you know, that was something that I always found kind of easy to draw on having somebody that close to you. That was, that was like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, being a quote unquote leader is, is good. is nice. Um, but you know, I thought, I thought it was something that, you know, you, you Either come or or you don't. It's like the the analogy I would make is doing TV. You know, doing the color in uh, on television. That's right. something you can learn to do. Okay, and you can become a captain and learn to do that. But people that are naturally like that are just naturally like that. And you know, if they can do it, they can do it. Well, it's also a. Um, I think. I mean, the leaders that I've seen in the locker rooms, you just have the utmost respect for, right? Even mm-hmm. when they walk in the locker room and, and you know you're not supposed to be doing something, they walk in, you're like, okay. Because I think the teams, the great teams, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always thought like the teams were, were just about the locker room. Like our great teams that I was on, it was always, we had a great camaraderie in the locker room. We all got along. It wasn't like anybody against anybody else. And the leaders just kept us all together and kept us motivated. Yeah, yeah, and, and to a large degree, the leaders kind of kept the kept the kidding in line. The you know the jokes, the, that fine line between joke and insult, and a good leadership right. group can make sure that fine line isn't crossed. Yeah, no, that's that's a hard one to do because I became a jokester because I've had many. I was with Jeff Hostetler. He was a big prankster. Um, you know, I've pranked a few people, you know, because when you're after practice, you're having fun. We do some some things, but there's a fine line where it gets over oh, too serious or it hurts somebody's feelings. You don't want that. You know, it's it's OK to have a fun laugh. And then, you know, you, you've got to realize you never can do that to people that have a hard time with it. 
You know what I mean? Like, you oh, know, yeah. there are people that just roll off their back and other people just, it just stews in them. They hate it, you know, and you can't, you can't always let those guys alone. You didn't want to pick on those guys because they were going to come <laughs> out, they were going to come back to get you one day. That's for sure. That's right. Um, all right. So then, all right. So you go through your career after 13 years, you've had this great successful career. Um, you're going to now make this transition. Did you start transitioning to be an analyst, to be on TV and doing those things before you were even done? Were you talking about that or did you just get done and say, I need to do something else now? Yeah, I did. I did radio and TV for about five or six years before I retired. Um, and I had a production company and did my show. Um, I had an advertising and promotions agency and all that. I started a couple of years before I retired. And we did some of our production out of that. Um, and I, I started sending the networks my tape um, in about 86, 87, 86. And, you know, because also I did USFL games, uh, right. Oakland Invader back then. So that was really fun. I had never done anything like that before. And I got to do that before I ever retired. So, you know, I, I started hitting the networks with my tapes for a few years before I retired. So that possibility being there wasn't terribly surprising. So how did you get to that point? Like, um, did you just always kind of want to do that? Or was there somebody, a mentor that said, hey, you should start thinking about the next uh, step in your life? How, how did you get to that point? My, my dad kind of pointed me in that direction. Um, you know, he, he, my dad was an actor. So he appreciated sort of the art of being full of it. Um, but <laughs> he, also, he also, you know, made the point that, you know, you could be really good and getting along with the media and knowing how the media works will never be a bad thing. It will always right. serve you well. Um, so I kind of remembered that and concentrated on that and was kind of the guy they always went to for quotes so, you know, it, it, it became a natural tra transition going into that. And I, I signed my first deal with CBS. I was supposed to do seven games. Uh, I ended up doing 15 that year. That's awesome. Did you like, and, did you enjoy you know, that? It was, it was, oh, it was fantastic. It was, I, I loved it right up until the playoffs because they assigned me to work with the NFL today as a sideline reporter during the show. Yeah. And my first assignment was the divisional playoffs. I think it was Minnesota and San Francisco at Candlestick Park. And those guys all, you know, come out on the field and they're bapping me in the back of the head and joking, you know, saying stuff to me and whatnot. <laughs> and they all ran by and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I, God, these son of a bitches are going to do it again. <laughs> they're going to win the Super right. Bowl without me. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a that was a unique position. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, um, that's great advice from your dad. You know, my dad used to tell me like, if you don't make the team, the world needs ditch diggers too, son. That was that was my advice from my dad. You know, right? He was a mill guy. He was like, you can come work with me in the factory. So I was like, hey, whatever I had to do to stay out of there, I wasn't I wasn't going into that factory. That's for sure. So you have a long career in the NFL, and then you have a long career as an analyst. What you know? Uh, tell us about some of the ups and downs you went through doing that. And like, was there a time where you said, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to move on. And, but you seem to like stick with it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've done it now since 89. Um, so this is my 32nd year 
wow. of TV. Um, 28 of it is with CBS, four with NBC back when CBS lost football there in the early 90s. Right. Uh, or mid-90s. Um, yeah, I, I have no regrets. I did 20 years of NFL. I've now done, you know, 11 years of college football. It's it to me is the greatest game there is. It's it's there's a lot of analogies and parallels with life and everything else that that come to bear in this game. And it is just a game. You know, it's there's that great, you know, quote you see or that 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 uh, soundbite you hear about why so serious. Right. That's right. That's that, that's that little voice in the back of my mind when I'm talking about football is, you know, if I seem at times like I'm laughing for no reason, it's because I'm thinking of that. Why so serious? Right. You know, and how many coaches do you know that are like that? You know, and I I try to explain this to youth coaches all the time, like just let them have fun. Don't be so serious with them. They're not. You know, you're not winning a Super Bowl. You're not. You're just trying to have fun so they continue to play the game, you know, throughout as long as they can. But uh, a lot of people are serious and they take the game very serious. And you know, as my kids always say, "Dad, that's old school thinking," right? Um, but that's just kind of how a lot of the old school coaches were. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it was. But it's it's fun. I I really love it. It's a team atmosphere. You know, because, you know, it really is chemistry between you and your partner when it comes to um, the play-by-play guy um, and the whole team, the producer, producer, director, the BA, the AD, the stats people, the people up in the booth with you. Um, you know, it's still very much a team environment, and it's something that, you know, I, I really enjoy. Have you ever got that little bug in your ear where they're saying, okay, Randy, you're, you're off script, like get back on it now? Oh yeah. Oh no, oh, yeah. I, I live I live <laughs> off script. I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> okay, bring it back. Reel it back in, buddy. Reel it back in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure you've had a lot of that. Um so Randy, one of the last things we like to do here is called our two minute drill. It's just a lot of fun. Sonar puts two minutes on the clock. I ask you a bunch of questions and uh uh and then uh you know at the end I want to find out where people can follow you or, or what your favorite charities are or where okay. they can donate to what your groups are. All right, Sonar, hit two minutes for us, buddy. All right, Randy, gas or electric car? Oh, gas all the way. In fact, pickup truck. Oh, nice. I have a, I have a pickup truck myself. Uh, fly or drive? Would you rather fly or drive? Um, fly, it's faster. Right. All right, what's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, God, how much time you got? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'll be very simplistic. People are very disappointing. Okay. You sound like my wife. (laughs) (laughs) She likes our dogs way more than most people. Um, All right. Hot or cold? Oh, I'm a hot guy. Definitely a hot guy. Favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Um... Bull Durham. I like that one. Bull Durham is good. All right. What's your, what sport do you play now? 
mainly golf. Mainly golf. golf. That's what's a handicap at? Uh, I'm a really good 15. Nice. I love it. I love it. It's about having fun, right? It is about having fun and 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 making money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I Taking see you're your your <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. If you could change places with one person for a day, who would that be? One person for a day? Um, Dead or alive, it doesn't matter. Oh, I, I let's go with Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, all right. You want to put some more yeah. change in your pocket? Yeah, no, I would just like for one, for one, just one time, get to know what it feels like to be that rich. <laughs> right, right. I'll take Jeff Bezos. Uh, uh, all right, last one. This is a kick the field goal. We didn't score a touchdown. All right, who is your favorite all-time quarterback? Oh, Joe Montana, the the one that's undefeated in Super Bowl and has never thrown an interception, unlike other people I can name. Right. Well, that's probably every other quarterback that's played in the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy. Hey, I appreciate your time. Tell me how our guests can find you and, and what your favorite charities are where they can donate. All right. Um, Higher Heroes USA is uh, my favorite charity lately. Uh, my all-time favorite charity is the Ronald McDonald House, which I'm sure is in a city near you. Um, those are fantastic. And go to my website, randycross.com. That's where my podcast lives. And uh, also where you can find me on all the social media platforms. All right. Real quick, tell us uh, what you talk about on your podcast. Um, heck, football, cooking, life, fun, jokes. Um, I love I love kind of like the redneck, redneck fail videos. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, those type of things. It's my it's my podcast. It's very unstructured and I I can put on it whatever the hell I feel like. Right. There you go. I love it. I love it. Well, remember everyone, if you get to meet Randy someday or if you want to send in something to him, just remember he's not serious and he doesn't want you to be serious. So uh, everyone, uh, thanks again, Randy, for joining us on Huddle Up with Gus. We really appreciate you listening. Check us out on 1631 Digital News, huddleupwithgus.com and radio.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Have a great day. Thank you for joining Dave and I in the huddle. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts just like this, go to huddleupwithgus.com where you can find our social channels, subscribe to hear more, buy our merchandise, and join our exclusive huddle through Patreon. Please join us next week when we talk to more guests about how sports shape their life.